and trains and we're prepared for it with new technique and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. We're getting ready to have a live spectacle. What we were trying to say, you got to walk on, walk on, walk on. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at Wade's Be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome to a very special episode of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I want to thank you guys for once again joining us. And if you've never joined us before, I certainly thank you for doing so this time out. And I encourage you to listen to other episodes where you can hear the entire gang. And where is the gang today? No gang. Because uh, for a couple of very important reasons. First and foremost, this is a special World Cup preview episode. Now, it'll post after the first game has been played. However, the conversation took place a couple days before the start of the 2018 World Cup. Now, I understand that many of our fans and many of our listeners don't like soccer or are not interested. They, their interest has not been stoked. Okay, They have not been converted. Uh, but many of you are casual soccer fans, and I think that many folks can get into the nationalism. So we did this special episode, and it's not only special because we have Professor Nana Asare uh, to talk World Cup soccer and all things soccer. Uh, it's special because this is the first episode produced from my quote-unquote home studio. Now, I know you guys can really kill us about the origin of where we record these. Uh, you just want the quality. So we think we have gotten together and gotten the quality that we need where we can broadcast from anywhere. And that sets up the remotes we're going to do where we have you guys, if you're in the greater Houston area, where we're going to have you guys come out, participate, uh, have your voice heard, win some prizes and stuff like that. Now, we're, we're supposed to have announced it by now. We haven't yet, but we will. So the game's not here. It's just me. And again, a, a special conversation we had with Professor Nana Asari. Now, again, the United States did not even qualify for the World Cup. And I had my issues about that. I've had my issues. I had this 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 weird affair with soccer because we keep waiting on the date when it becomes one of the major four sports surpassing maybe hockey. But I still don't see that for a while. However, it's the biggest sporting event in the entire world, and we wanted to get in on the fun, so we've produced this special episode. Now, again, Nana, sorry, he's a, an expert, and he's involved in soccer in more ways than one, but we get into a lot of aspects of uh, this 2018 World Cup, which got started earlier today, but we recorded this a couple days ago. As for episode 61, that's coming up. And again, if you've not listened to the podcast before, go and listen to some of the episodes. We have a lot of fun, and we also encourage you to participate by joining us or tweeting me at Wade's Word, or joining us on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. Again, you can uh, contact me at Wade's Word, all lowercase, on Twitter and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. Again, want to encourage you guys to subscribe, to like, to share, to comment, just whatever information you want us to have. We want you to be a part of it and also look forward to that remote that is coming up. One of many that we have coming up. But again, I'm excited. This is the first episode 
from the home studios. This allows me to do a few more things that I hadn't done yet. So we look forward to that. And with that, here is our conversation with Professor Nana Asare about World Cup 2018. Following this word from our sponsor. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Devin Wade podcast and with the world's largest sporting event about to take place most of America could care less but we do here on the podcast and Professor Nana Asare is going to join us to tell us why we should care and what's going to happen with the World Cup Uh, we are just days away from the World Cup Professor Asare and tell us a little bit about why America and more importantly for you personally why is Ghana not in the mix for the World Cup well so many questions. Uh, thank you for, again for having me, Devin. So first thing, uh, as you all know, uh, the audience, the sport world may already know, the United States did not make it to this year's uh, World Cup in Russia. And in my opinion, that might be a good thing in the long run. Some uh, avid fans would say, well, why would you even consider that as a good thing? Because we want we want success now with the momentum that the U.S. has built in the MLS over the last uh, 10, 15 years. How could this possibly be a good thing? But again, um, I see that as a good thing simply because you have you have way more uh, of advantage in the long term in terms of the rebuilding and restructuring of the entire U.S. men's national team. And so I think that is a better uh, long-term approach uh, with the younger generation coming in, a newer generation of uh, players, better players who are going to be groomed uh, for future success. And I want to ask you, because obviously we always get reports that soccer is more popular than ever in the United States and the MLS is doing better, yet we are not nationally. We have taken several steps backwards. What is wrong with USA soccer? I don't think there's anything in particularly uh, wrong. I would say there are some adjustments that uh, need to be made from administrative-wise, and that's what they're going through right now. Ernie Stewart, um, who is a former player of the U.S. men's national team, has just been appointed this past week as the new uh, executive director of the men's national team. And so he brings in international experience, international caliber, someone who has played in MLS for several years, 
And obviously, he's an American, so he's going to bring a, a very different approach compared to someone like, uh, let's say, Jurgen Klinsmann or even Bruce Arenas, who obviously had a lot of success in previous stints with the U.S. men's national team and even at the MLS level. But I think this is newer direction that the U.S. men's national team is headed is both well for the future. And as I said before, the shift of player, style of players on an international level, focusing on homegrown talents and then picking and plucking those players like uh, Pulisic, who's in uh, Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga, to sort of work around uh, him. I think this is a, a, a good approach. So they're not just focusing on all the German-born or German players uh, that had U.S. connection or roots, but they're rather focusing on the ingrown talent that they've had. And I think that is probably the right wise way to go. The other point that I'd like to make is that I'm starting to see the U.S. reach out in terms of the MLS market into more urban areas. Uh, recently, I was uh, made uh, you know, aware of the fact that our Atlanta has one of the largest following of urban. When I say urban following, I'm talking about within the African-American community that's actually fa- paying attention and following the soccer. So I see that as a potential to really grow not only the fan base, but also the participant base as U.S. starts to engender itself into the communities in Houston, Chicago, Atlanta, Dallas, some of these more urban areas that we have not paid attention to. And I think in in the past, that has been my slight against the MLS and also U.S. uh, soccer. But now they're starting to see that it's not just about, you know, those other uh, Hispanic and Latino markets that you can actually grow your fan base and your talent base within the um, urban areas. On the national level, I mean, obviously not a lot of minority participation when you talk about African-Americans, and I'm sure that that would really, really bolster the talent level. Uh, but is what does it come down to style of play or we just didn't have the talent competing on the national level to make it back to the World Cup? I don't think it's it is never an issue of talent. It's really an approach. When soccer, you and I both know that soccer, you know, growing up, soccer was not the thing here in the U.S., you know, having taken a backseat to the major three or four sports. But now over the last fast forward, um, it is. It's become wider, widely known uh, throughout various different markets. And so now there is that shift with the expansion of MLS teams, with the expansion of college scholarships and opportunities, even high schools. Uh, Soccer for males and females is more uh, popular than it's ever been. So I don't think that it's been a lack of uh, talent per se, but just a focus. Previously, the focus was so much on the Hispanic and Latino market. And yes, it did carry a lot of weight and it, it, you know, because they were the largest consumers. But I, I'm starting to see, you know, from a research perspective that uh, we're starting to see more international communities that are also digging into it. You have uh, guys like uh, Tim, um, Tim Weah, whose father just so happens to be the president of Liberia, you know, he's on the men's national team. And here's a kid that he's already signed on to uh, Paris Saint-Germain, which is one of the top teams in France, uh, top levels. So you're starting to see a different um, attractiveness, if you will, a different talent pool of U.S. men's national team and also U.S. soccer in general. And so I think that's both very, very well for the future in terms of how the United States targets uh, those quote-unquote urban areas and gets that raw talent that would be otherwise playing football or maybe even basketball, um, I, I think we're going to start to see a lot more of it, especially with the with the new uh, marketing strategies that are coming out. Going into the 2018 World Cup, 
How did America lose these games? How did the United States lose these games? Uh, what yeah. what happened? I mean, you don't have to get too specific, but in general, what happened? Was it just much more talent? Did the guys, I mean, obviously they underperformed. Were they not the, the talent base that we thought they were when we went into these matches to try to qualify for the World Cup? It could have been a bit of both, you know. Um, to their credit, they had a transition where you had Jurgen Klinsmann, who was uh, kicked out and then replaced by uh, um, Bruce Arenas. When Bruce came in, he took a drastically different approach than what Jurgen Klinsmann had. He brought in a, a different crop of players, which perhaps they hadn't give, been given enough time to really gel together and formulate you know, that team chemistry that was needed to, to go forward. On the other hand, teams like the Mexicos and the Costa Ricas and the you know, the CONCACAF teams, they had actually elevated their level of play when it mattered most. So by dropping those, you know, easy peasy points, you know, losing to Trinidad and losing to some of the lower teams, you know, that kind of uh, set the stage for the uh, U.S. to exit. Uh, and the same thing could be said of so many other uh, countries. But I, again, I, I look at it as a positive going forward in terms of the regrouping opportunity, as opposed to a down year where the U.S. is not, you know, in the World Cup and yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, we're talking millions, if not billions of dollars in opportunities that are lost. Uh, the opportunity cost uh, here uh, is a significant one. But in terms of talent pool and talent generation, I think this may be the better approach. Uh, and hopefully they'll come out more hungry next time as the qualifiers come up for the 2022 World Cup, which is uh, set to set, uh, be staged in Qatar. And then following that in 2026, the U.S. actually has an opportunity to host the 2026 World Cup because it is one of the two countries right now that is in the contention uh, to host 2026 World Cup. So that would be, you know, icing on the cake, you know, in a year and a time of resurgence of U.S. men's national soccer, or just soccer in the United States to actually host the World Cup here. And I think that's what they're preparing themselves for right now. Well, let's talk about the 2018 World Cup. Germany defending champs. They won it in Brazil, beating Argentina. Germany, I look. I'm, you know, again, I'm a, a novice when it comes to soccer and international soccer. But just looking since 2002, Germany has finished in the top four, and they finished uh, what second in 2002, and, and of course they won it all in 2014. My question is, are they expected to defend their championship this time out? Yes, they absolutely are one of the favorites. Um, the usual suspects, Germany being number one. To probably be the Brazils. Um, Belgium is another team that a lot of folks have uh, really uh, made a lot of noise about. And then uh, France. Those would be, you know, if you would ask any avid soccer fans, they're going to be in those top four, top five. And so uh, Germany, uh, it, they're just a tournament, a tournament team. There's something about the coach, the administration. They're very consistent in terms of playing at high level, top level football, and in, in the when it matters, especially come World Cup time. So you wouldn't expect anything less of them. Interestingly enough, if you look at their league, the Bundesliga, it's not known as one of the top leagues. You know, uh, it, it's a top league, yes, in, in tier one, but in terms of marketing and expansion wise, EPL is by far, which is the English Premier League. You and I talked about this at various lengths last time is uh, the most populous league in the entire world. However, English, England is not you know, picked to be one of the top uh, World Cup teams and historically hadn't really performed very well in the World Cup. So that uh, tells you how prepared and well-prepared the Deutsche Mannschaft is in terms of their world uh, preparation. That is uh, a credit to them and how they uh, prepare and how they pursue World Cup trophies. Now, I'm looking at, uh, you know, last time I Brazil... 
it was in Brazil. The World Cup was in Brazil, and boy, yeah. what a just a disappointing way they ended their World Cup. How will they rebound? Who who's uh, looking to lead the way for Brazil as they try to to get back uh, on top? Yeah, so Brazil is going to look uh, completely different from the team that we saw in the last World Cup. They had a lot of aging players, you know, and still they had Neymar, who was, I would say, at the, you know, at the cusp of, of, of world dominance, if you will. Right now, he's considered to be top four or five best players in the world. And so you have Neymar, who's going to be leading the attack. He's had a bit of a rest um, over the qualifiers, so folks are considering him to be primed for huge success this uh, 2018 World Cup in Russia. You have other guys like Firmino who um, will be on the bench. You have guys like Willian who plays on uh, right side of the attack. He plays for Chelsea. Firmino, we talked about, uh, plays for um, uh, Liverpool, who is just in the uh, Champions League finals against um, Real Madrid. You have other guys like... um, so many players in the midfield uh, that you can pick from that are, are World Cup. You've got four or five guys that are starters right now for Manchester City. Teams like Manchester City, Real Madrid, um, Barcelona, they are loaded. Brazil is loaded uh, with talent. And they're all young guys, so I would not expect them to uh, push very, very far. Whether they make it past Germany, you know, should they meet them in the quarters or the semis, that's another question, but yeah, I, I consider Brazil to be one of the top four teams in this tournament. Now, I'm looking at the groups, and again, I don't know anything other than traditional powers, but I know that there's a de- usually a group of death, right? That's the, it's supposed to be the most difficult group. Which uh, which group, and did I, first of all, did I get that right? Right? That's the, yeah. Right. So, who, which, which group is the group of death? I don't really see a really, really tough one other than maybe Group F with Germany, maybe. Mexico, Sweden, and well, I mean South Korea. Uh, I don't see. Uh, I mean, there was one other. Let's see, uh, Portugal and Spain, Group B with Morocco and Iran. Is there a, a, a group of death this time? Yeah, that's a great question. And looking at it, I would have to agree with you. I don't know if there's one particular group that I would say is a group of death. Um, there are going to be some very, very interesting matches at the group stages, and, and the question is who's going to come out. I, I pick some of the upsets to come from the African teams because there's so many, you know, clubs don't know how, the style of play that they're going to bring, that they're going to come. You see uh, teams like Argentina, uh, Nigeria, uh, which are in the same <laughs> in the same group. Uh, so one can say that might be a group of death. You know, they've had a lot of history playing against one another. And so that group there, uh, I think it's rounded out by uh, who's the other two teams in that group? Uh, and, and then with uh, that would be Croatia and Iceland, who came up, they, upset a they, bunch of people last time, right? Iceland had exactly a long right. run, yeah. Exactly right. So they're picking Group D as a group of the de- group of death, as well as Group B, uh, which features pa- Spain and Portugal. So you've you got some uh, pretty challenging groups. You know, obviously World Player of the Year and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, and uh, anytime you talk about Messi playing for Argentina, they're going to get a lot of attention. Uh, should they exit early? I don't know if you can consider those to be the group of deaths if they come out early. But certainly, with those two world caliber players, uh, top of the at uh, the top of their game, uh, fans are going to be marveling at at the uh, exposure and and at the fanfare that comes with the, any group that they're in. Now I know Russia is the host team. It didn't. It kind of backfired on Brazil because they had so much pressure on them. I, I suspect uh, as a country where the whole country just halted when they played. Uh, I think. In this situation, could Russia playing at home, could it boost their performance? Could they possibly play better than expected because they're at home? 
Yeah, one would think so, right? I mean, when you're the host, that you essentially what you're saying is that you're coming into my house. I've got all these fans. I've built all these stadiums. I've had this uh, years of marketing and all this hoopla and fanfare surrounding. You would expect uh, for each game to be flooded with your fans, uh, certainly. But Russia, um, you know, as a World Cup team, has not been known to re- be real dominant. We'll we'll see. I've lost one or two of their qualifiers, and uh, they had a lot, some lackadaisical play, and I lost some very interesting matches that you know one would expect them to have won. So we're not we're not sure what to expect of Russia at, at this time around. I know they're playing the opening game on Friday against, uh, I believe, it's uh, Saudi Arabia. So that should be make a for a very interesting contrast in terms of international and political affairs. Should be a very interesting game to watch. Very different styles of play. Um, Saudi Arabia is one of those teams that are coming out of the Asian well, Asian world football. Very, very different and very aggressive, more so on the attacking, sometimes lacking on the defensive side. So it'll be very interesting. Uh, Russia tends to be very balanced in the uh, midfield and also on the defending side, but sometimes not so strong on the attack. So very contrasting, difference in contrast in terms of style of play would make for maybe, I'm calling it a, maybe a 1-1 draw um, at the uh, at the opening. Oh, you you've called uh, the, the number the yeah. first game. You call them game by game. Can't yeah. Do, well, yeah, obviously not enough time to do that. But I want to ask you about the African teams. Now you just said Saudi Arabia. What about Egypt? They do they compete with the African Federation or do they uh, compete with the Asian for, Federation? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. A lot of times, you know, in in political and business uh, talks, a lot of people consider Egypt to be a part of the Middle East, but it is actually uh, on the continent, um, obviously, in terms of geography, but also in terms of world football-wise. It is part of CAF, which is the Confederation of African Football. And uh, Egypt, uh, you know, unbeknownst to some of your listeners, has actually won the uh, Confederation of African Football five times. And that is the most by any African nation. And if you consider 54 nations in Africa, Egypt winning it over five you know, periods of times, five different times, that's very, very um, interesting. They have another uh, two points of players that I must point out to your listeners because uh, they're to, you know, definitely to watch for. And one of them is their goalkeeper. Uh, goalkeeper is probably going to be the oldest player ever in the history of World Cup uh, by definition. He's 45 years old. Tons of experience. He's played at the local uh, club level at in Egypt. He's played on five African Cup of Nations teams. And um, I believe this is his first World Cup uh, as well. So very, very interesting to have a 45-year-old goalkeeper who is the captain of the side leading uh, Egypt for their first in a while World Cup. The second player I'd have to mention is Mohamed Salah, who uh, played for Liverpool FC in England. Mo Salah this year had um, one of the, uh, basically the best player uh, of the Premier League, English Premier League, and also the uh, the uh, Golden Boot Award. Based that goes to the most or goal scorer, the highest goal scorer in the English Premier League. So he had a fantastic season. Had scored, I believe, over 35 goals in all competitions, and his team made it to the uh, European champion um, UEFA uh, ship against Real Madrid, where they lost uh, very very dramatically. Um, he also was injured. He injured his right shoulder in that uh, game. And so he's coming off of an injury, perhaps known as the second or third best player right now in terms of form and goal scoring machine that he is. We expect to see him lead uh, Egypt uh, perhaps out of their group. So very interesting side uh, for, for Egypt. A lot of unknowns, uh, but certainly you can expect Mo Salah uh, and, his comp- and his crew to do very well this World Cup. 
Now, what other African uh, nations you, what do you see doing well? Uh, I know you talk about Group D with that Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, Nigeria. That's kind of that's going to be tough for them. Yep. What other? Let's see what other African nations are are in it. Senegal. What other African country could sneak up to surprise somebody? So I like uh, Nigeria, as we've already mentioned. Um, I do like uh, um, Senegal. Senegal has one of the most dynamic players, and I think all of the tournament. Uh, who also plays he's, uh, for Liverpool FC. He's actually uh, Mo Salah, who I just mentioned, his teammate. The gentleman I'm referring to is Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane is a very diminutive striker, very you know short, 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, uh, you would not consider this guy to be a powerhouse on the field, but when the ball is at his feet, he's just an attacking player. If I could contrast that to uh, basketball terms, I would say think of like a, a Russell Westbrook type player. He just goes to the goal. He has a knack for scoring, and he scores in all different shapes and sizes and forms. So Sadio Mane of um, Senegal, the Senegalese team historically has been in many World Cups. So this is not their first World Cup. It's not their you know go first time at it. Um, another team that I would say to look out for is Morocco as well as Tunisia. Morocco, because they have a fascinating coach in a Frenchman called Herb Renard. And Herb uh, has basically won three different Cup of African Nations with three different African countries. He's won with Zambia, he's won it with Ivory Coast, and he's also won it with uh, Morocco most recently. So, And now he's taken Morocco to the um, World Cup for their first ever World Cup. So Morocco, uh, coming all the way out of West Africa, uh, stands to you know to be a very interesting team. They're also known as you know being more northern than West African, but we say they're West African. If you're from West Africa, you say well they're considered to be on the western side. So Morocco, I would say, um, would be one of the other dark horses in terms of the African nations, as well as uh, I would say Tunisia. Final African team we've talked about Tunisia. Senegal, Tunisia, Egypt, Morocco, and then Nigeria. Those are our five. Those right. are our five teams. Yep. So now I want to ask you this, a couple more things before we let you get out of here. Um, uh, stars who will emerge from uh, the 2018, maybe players that will become household names or at least more popular around the world or more popular here in the United States. Wow. So world-renowned players such as Messi and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo are, and Neymar uh, are always going to have those you know, following, right? They're always going to have that kind of appeal because they were already well-established, and these are the people that all the fans around the globe want to see perform very well. But I would have to go with players such as Mo Salah. If he's healthy, I think he would have a fantastic tournament. Um, I would also even back up and say, hey, you know, don't discount the gentleman that I just men- mentioned um, in Sadio Mane of Senegal. I think he would be up there in terms of the goal charts. And then the German teams, you always have one or two of them that just surprises everyone with the Mullers and the Lewandowskis. I would not be surprised. Um, you've got uh, guys from Belgium, such as uh, Romelu Lukaku and Kevin De Bruyne, who is his, t- uh, is his teammate. He plays in Manchester City. You have uh, so many players. You've, then on the French side, you've got, uh, you've got players such as Griezmann, who plays uh, forward. You've got Pogba, Paul Pogba, who plays in the midfield, who could have a fantastic tournament. So you've got a lot of players that I think are poised to have breakthrough World Cup tournaments. So it would be very interesting to see uh, who becomes the uh, player of the tournament. Well, there are some teams that's, uh, that are missing from this World Cup that I'm just looking at I'm, as I peruse this. I don't see uh, the Netherlands is not in. What about yeah. Italy? Italy's not in. That's right. Uh, um, 
of course, the United States not in. Uh, who else is, is missing uh, that is a normal uh, sort of uh, competitive team in the World Cup? Very good question. Uh, so for the 2018 World Cup, the teams that missed it, uh, you mentioned three of them already, the United States, Holland or Netherlands, as they're known, Italy, Ghana, you know, being historic, they've been to three consecutive World Cups and now all of a sudden gone. So if you look at these, uh, I would say big, big time. Ireland is another one uh, that has been known as a, you know, perennial force. You've got Canada that missed out. Chile missed out on it. So many, so many. Greece is another name that has historically been there. Honduras, Hungary, Indonesia. Uh, Indonesia is probably not the world beater there, but you get the point. There's a several teams all around the globe that um, historically have had some experience at, at the World Cup and just didn't make it for whatever reason. Uh, you, one could actually, you know, say, hey, maybe we should have a, uh, you know, teams that missed the World Cup, World Cup, you know, if, right, if there was right. ever such a thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> South, a- <laughs> South Africa is not in this uh, tournament as well. Trinidad and Tobago. Turkey also barely missed it. So, yeah, we have so many countries that uh, that missed it uh, that you would be surprised to say, wow, certainly with the Italy's, the Hollands, the, uh, the uh, U.S. and Ghana would probably be the top four uh, that I would say are big surprises because historically they do very well at, at the tournament level. And finally, I want to get your pick. Who is going to win? Give me some teams, two or three teams that you think could win it all. Give me your prediction. Well, I'm always going to root for, you know, as an African man myself, I'm always going to root for the African nation. So any of the top five, I would prefer Nigeria, Senegal, um, Morocco, Egypt, or Tunisia to, uh, you know, at least make it to the semis, if not the finals. Uh, so any of those five I'll be content with. Uh, my dark horses will probably be uh, France and Germany. France, because historically they do have a lot of the uh, African players in there that are, have either migrated when they were young and uh, naturalized to become uh, French citizens. So, so they make for a very interesting and different flair and style of play. And they historically do very well as well. And then finally, Germany. Um, I was born in Germany, and so I'll, I'll tip them the hat a bit to pick them as you know one of my favorites uh, to, to do well. Well, I am going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to pick Costa Rica to win it up. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Even <laughs> even though I don't know much about soccer, I won't make that pick or or South Korea either. Um, uh, let's go with Brazil and maybe Argentina and Spain. I don't know. I'm, I'm okay. just taking a wild guess. I think it's good. I mean, it'll help me if I find a team that I can pull for. I always pull for the African teams because I usually tend to like their style of play. They seem to be much more wide open as as opposed to like Germany. And those teams seem to be much more deliberate. Am I, am I wrong yeah. about that? Yeah. So style of play is makes a big difference. So I'll give it to you. You hit the nail right on the head. Uh, a lot of the African teams or even Central American teams, they love to attack. But where we find balance, where you can balance between attacking and defending or um, passing and passing to set up or playing a counter um, attacking style football, which, which a lot of the European teams are known for. Germany, for, for example, that's what they, they pride their whole system is based on ball possession, ball control. Um, they're not so much worried about attacking all the time. But they're not going to let you get the ball. They're going to control the pace of the game. They're going to defend as a unit. And when they have the chance, they're going to strike. And that historically has worked out very, very well for them. Whereas historically, some of the other nations, the African and the Central American teams, or even the Asian teams, are very well known that all out attack. They put a lot of strikers, a lot of midfielders that are just 
you know, running and gunning down the field trying to score, and then they forget about defending. So sometimes that is a, a you know, to their um, to their detriment. So I, I see those matches as being, you know, maybe high-scoring games, high-paced games, but in the end, yeah, those teams may exit a little early because you're gambling a lot. I want to thank you for taking time out to join us. I know this is an exciting time for you, except for the fact that Ghana and the United States aren't in it. But uh, I know that you love this stuff. You know it, obviously. And we certainly appreciate you sharing some of your knowledge uh, with our listeners. And maybe we can have you back before the end of the World Cup. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Professor Nana Sare. And how can folks reach you on social media if they want to reach out to you? I am on uh, Twitter at a-N-A-N underscore Asari. Again, that's A-N-A-N. That's my first name spelled backwards, by the way. Underscore Asari. And I'm also on LinkedIn for those who are want to reach me professionally. I'm on LinkedIn as, uh, as myself, Nana K. Asari. Hey, well, thanks so much, and we certainly appreciate it. And, hey, and enjoy the World Cup 2018. Thank you so much, Devin. Hey, take care now. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Salut. Je n'ai aucune idée de la raison pour laquelle Devan m'a demandé de faire ça, surtout que la majorité d'entre vous n'ont pas la moindre idée de ce que je dis. Mais bon, j'adore écouter Kalina, le Silver Fox et Devan sur le podcast de Sports Talk Devan Wade. A plus It's Shelly Wade and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devan Wade. conversation with Professor Nana Asare and uh, I hope you're geared up and excited about the World Cup. If you're not excited about the game itself, get into the nationalism. You can root for some of the African teams and some of the South American teams or some of the European teams. You can pick a team out of a hat and root for them. Uh, but it makes uh, this is a month-long thing in the entire world. Uh, is excited about it. So this makes for an exciting sort of participatory activity for you guys until we get started with football. For those of you who will, in fact, watch football, the game of football again. want to thank you guys for tuning in. If you've never listened before, please go back and listen to past episodes on SoundCloud, on TuneIn, iTunes, you name it, wherever you get your podcast. Go back and check us out and please subscribe, like, and uh, again, participate. Tell your friends. Get excited about the World Cup and about the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Hey, and as always, have a great day.